1: Good morning folks. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to visit with Kirk Talbot, State Representative District 78. He's part of the Jefferson Parish Legislative Delegation. Hours before regulatory hearings were to take place in Baton Rouge, Wednesday, Blue Cross, Blue Shield of Louisiana announces they have canceled plans for a controversial $2.5 billion sale to Elevance Health. And for the second time in a year, and in fact, in the statement early Wednesday, the Louisiana Department of Insurance said that late yesterday, which was uh, Tuesday, that they notified the LDI that it has chosen to withdraw its plan of reorganization. We'll visit with Kirk Talbot just to find out what exactly does this mean? Where did this go amok? Why were we so far down this path? It seemed like there was a lot of controversy around this issue. And obviously, competition is healthy. And what did this mean in that regards? In the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about uh, marijuana industry. They've told people for years that their drugs were non-addictive, safe medicine, and even recreational marijuana was safe. What is the truth about marijuana today as opposed to the Woodstock weed, the 1980s weed, the 1990s weed? And what role does big tobacco, big alcohol, and big pharma play in the marketing strategies in and around marijuana? We'll dig deep in this issue with Dr. Kevin Sabet, who's actually worked for Democratic administrations, Republican administrations. He's bipartisan on this issue. He brings a wealth of research on uh the marijuana industry and where it stands today and why. Joining us on the line, Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser back uh from both Mardi Gras as well as uh Las Vegas in in the handoff for the Super Bowl. Billy, welcome to the show. Good to be with you. New. Uh yeah, it was an interesting week out in Las Vegas. You've been a pretty busy man. A number of other folks joined out there. We talked to Walt Leger yesterday about what actually happened. would love to have your perspective.
2: Yeah, it was a great learning experience. We got a tour of the stadium, had several meetings about uh, their preparation for the game. Uh, uh, Sheriff Jefferson was out there to learn about the the uh, security issues, and and he will be a, a great partner with New Orleans in making sure the city is safe uh, for that event. And um, I tell you, you know, we always talk about New Orleans being the perfect city to host because everything's together. And that was never more obvious in Vegas where you got stuck in traffic for two hours from one event to the next. And um, so hopefully uh, we'll get this city cleaned up, Sean, and and put on an incredible show because, uh, you know, this is our 11th, Super Bowl tied with Miami for the most but you know Los Angeles with a new stadium in 2022 Vegas this year Phoenix in 2008 with a new stadium and Nashville building a 2.1 billion dollar stadium dollar stadium that'll be ready in 2027 surely all of those new stadiums will want to be in line for future Super Bowls so we will have to put our best foot forward to get New Orleans back in the hunt early
1: A lot of folks overlooked uh, the obvious that we are absolutely in a competition business as it relates to these issues, right?
2: Absolutely. I think the renovations of the Dome are going to make the Dome shine. And uh, it's going to be so important that that city gets cleaned up and we put our best foot forward because a lot has to do with the response by the visitors uh, and all indications other than the traffic Everything went off without a hitch in Las Vegas. Uh, The new stadium is is pretty spectacular, and uh, and you know you're looking at, and uh, the sheriff uh, of Jefferson uh, put it best. He said, "You know, we're dealing with a city with two police forces. Uh, Here's a city that has three million people and triple the, or even more than triple the police force to handle that event. So it does create a challenge for our law enforcement." Partnering with many agencies to to host this event, but when you've got the kind of uh, resources Las Vegas has, uh, uh, and all the hotels, and the the it makes it a little easier for them to uh, to organize this thing. So uh, I'm, I have no doubt we'll do a great job. It's a great team. Walt, uh, the Superdome, Doug Thornton, all the people out there have done this before, so uh, they've got many years' experience under their belt in, in handling these events.
1: Part of the success in Las Vegas, uh, I was told, was the private sector involvement. Talk about that, if you would.
2: Yeah, you know, we hosted an event there at the foundation room, uh, invited a lot of the people that have invested in the Super Bowl to get them excited. We brought some great Louisiana seafood, had a jazz band, to get them excited about uh, being sponsors, hosting their corporate events, and and start planning for uh, their Super Bowl party in New Orleans. And, and another big part of it, Newell, is I remember the last Super Bowl uh, in New Orleans, and I remember the one when, when Trean was governor. I was more involved then. Uh, the media event was you know, a couple dozen media outlets. Uh, to go into the media center at this event, I was blown away. It's thousands of people with every blogger, uh, TikTok. Uh, man, they had uh it was it's a it's a whole event in itself and they have all these uh stages set up where they're interviewing Joe Montana was there. They even had the rock, they had celebrities there. So uh, getting intake from so many media outlets, uh that that's gonna be an event in itself and I understand that will be in the convention center along with the NFL experience uh they will share the convention center. So Uh, The media event and the media people that travel for Super Bowl is a major event in itself now with so many podcasts and TikTok and all these things sharing information around the world week out from the Super Bowl.
1: Obviously, Las Vegas does a lot of things right as it relates to tourism. They are very much a tourism uh, town like New Orleans. What do you see as some of our biggest challenges?
2: Well, when I first got elected, I looked at all the data, and the three things that were trending the wrong way in New Orleans was crime, cleanliness, and new attractions. And, and you know, we've done a few new attractions. The, the museum on top of the Ritz-Carlton is incredible. I mean, Four Seasons. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many things that we need. To, you know, we've talked for years about a Ferris wheel on the riverfront. Uh, but you've got to continually be looking for new attractions. I don't know how much we can do before the Super Bowl, but one of the things, a proposal was made by a company to light the bridge and have where you walk up on top of the Greater New Orleans Bridge and take a picture. Uh, they do that in Sydney, Australia. The same company made a proposal to DOTD to do that, and and I'm I'm fighting to see why they're going to pay $15 million to light the bridge and saddle the city with the electrical bill when we had a company come in here and offer to do it free and create a tourist attraction. You'd go up there and take a picture with the city in the background. I watched people do it in Australia. It's the same company wants to do it here. And i mom boggled why DOTD would spend $15 million when we've got a company that's offered to do it free. That would be a tourist attraction. So mm-hmm. I reached out to the new head of DOTD and asked him, why would we not look at this option which would cost us nothing, light up the bridge, and they've done it in other cities, uh, but that's the way Louisiana does stuff. Why would we pay for something we could get for free? That would be a tourist attraction in itself. But I think we've got to look forward at creating new opportunities because people want to keep coming back here and not see the same old thing.
1: Billy, I made observations yesterday. Um, you know, obviously this is a very exciting moment for the city. You compete for the right to have the Super Bowl uh, you know, the frequency that we had it for a period of time is not going to happen any longer. As you appropriately pointed out, there's a lot of competition out there, new competition out there as well. But the, the you you have moments, and this is a moment for us to re- re- really bridge this event, to pretty ourselves up. And I was curious as to whether or not there's conversations that are going on with the city of New Orleans, state of Louisiana, about setting up committees to take on certain aspects of this, whether it be sidewalks, potholes, lighting, whatever it may be, uh, to make sure that we're going to meet the deadlines and and getting prepared for the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, I had, you know, the mayor was out there and I had that conversation with her. I offered myself to attend any and all meetings to make some of my, you know, I opened an office in the Cabildo to help direct repairs, maintenance, fixing street lights in the French quarter. Um, but little or nothing's been done. And, and it really concerns me. And I had that conversation with the mayor out there in Las Vegas said, look, I will give my time. Uh, you know, we drew up a plan to fix every street and sidewalk in the French quarter. It never got done. Um, so hopefully the attention on the deadline coming home with that football—it uh, happens—and and I, I implore—I I think everyone's going to have to get involved and and make sure we have those meetings and we're making progress. And obviously, what's been done in the past is not working. You know, I went to dinner, uh, sadly, a week ago with the uh, attorney general from uh, 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 Arkansas, and when we left the quarter. Uh, with a state trooper, we had to turn around three times to get to the interstate because water was up halfway on the cars. We couldn't get to the interstate. Can you imagine the Super Bowl, a rain event, and and the sewage and water board saying, well, pump number four was down again? That's unacceptable. So whatever we've got to do starting today to make sure pump number four does not go down, uh, that's not going to work for a Super Bowl. We will never have one again if pump number four goes down. So whatever it is, the new Mercedes place across from the dome had water in the parking lot when we finally made it through to get to the interstate in front of the dome. But it was that flooded in front of the dome made it almost impassable uh, with that little rain event. And, you know, this one inch per hour is not going to work for Super Bowl. We better make sure drainage, lighting, those roads are fixed. There's two cracks in front of the dome where if you hit them with your car, you're going to bottom out. All the limousines in town, those roads have got to be fixed, and and that's got to start now. So hopefully uh, we can assist the mayor and her team and whoever we've got to hire uh, to make sure it's done properly needs to be done because it hasn't been done in the past. So we can't expect the same people that are supposedly doing this work to do it. We've got to change, and, and something's got to happen quickly.
1: I guess the good and bad of having thousands of members of the media come down here is that if um, you hit the bullseye, you hit the target, it's great. But if you miss the entire target, it's not so good, is it? Well, I've been saying this for a year. This will be the biggest
2: uh, opportunity to really uh, grow tourism or to be the biggest uh, egg in our face we ever had and it could be really good or it could be really bad and it could be you know we can't prevent we can and and i applaud the governor for sending the state police in i think it made mardi gras a lot safer we still had a a few instances and of course the 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 shooting in kansas city uh and the church in houston kind of took away from any problems we had but uh but it was i believe a lot safer because of state police and I think that's going to – some of the laws that will be dealt with in the crime session here in Baton Rouge will hopefully keep some of the bad people behind bars that keep getting out recommitting crimes. But the cleanliness, the fixing the streets, the, the, the drainage, uh, that all can be done and, and, and rest assured. I'm over litter now in Louisiana. Uh, we'll be putting a whole team of volunteers together leading up to the don't we need to clean it up now and we need to clean it up for the people of Louisiana but we will make sure we've got a volunteer team out there cleaning up the routes from the lakefront airport where all the private jets fly in and New Orleans airport so people at least uh, hopefully will have a clean uh, opinion coming in and leaving the city
1: I talked to the public works director of the city the other day um He's new to the job. We talked about the interstate lighting. There's some kind of situation that's going on with work that the state's doing or whatever relative to them not being able to re-energize uh, the lights along uh, the interstate. I get texts every day about that issue. Have you heard anything along those lines and where that stands?
2: No, no I saw one interview where they said, well, they gave out a $4 million contract and uh they're gonna give out another one. Well, where did four million go? Nothing got fixed. So don't don't give out another one till you find out why. The I, I mean, if that's what really happened, um, you, you can't keep throwing good money after bad. It's just like the French Quarter. For the money we spent patching the streets down there. We probably could have resurfaced every street. But we go out there and throw a little bit of – and whoever's got that contract, evidently, they keep going out there and throwing a little asphalt on a hole that make it worse because it's a hump. It sinks, and you got a hole instead of tearing up a block at a time and fixing it properly. And they get paid a mob and demobe to go patch 4,000 times instead of fixing the street right. So obviously somebody that's making those decisions – We've got to change the direction and fix things the right way. And to hear whatever the problem is lighting, it's been so long that it hasn't been addressed. Uh, the excuses are overwhelming and, and, and it's unacceptable
1: obviously the state bears a burden right because of the interstate system that they they're the ones that provide the lighting there and, and hopefully we get this resolved um, it, it's something that has been going on I get tax I got Texas morning about it that it's been years uh, that you know we can't seem to simply just get lights to work on the interstate system
2: well you know to know uh, we talk about the, the funding um, And I don't know the exact number, but at one point it was a billion dollars that I think our legislators or our congressmen had to get FEMA uh, or the federal government, whether it was FEMA or a disaster fund, to extend the time we had to spend it or the money was going back to Washington. And I think we've got that money extended two or three times. Um, Eventually, they're not going to extend it. We're going to lose that money. All that money sitting there for infrastructure improvements in New Orleans and not being spent. And it goes back to when I was a parish president sitting in meetings with the city, and we hired the right people and fixed everything in Plaquemines Parish. We had five hurricanes, three that flooded the parish. We got fully reimbursed for every dollar we spent by FEMA and fixed everything. And added $2 billion in federal levies. It's not rocket scientists, but it's hiring competent people to go out and spend the money properly in a timely matter. And, and, look, I can give the mayor three or four companies that do an excellent job at managing that FEMA money and make sure you do it the right way and get the work done. How can that money still be sitting there and not fix the infrastructure of the city? It makes absolutely no sense.
1: Yeah, it was interesting, the conversation I had with the new public works director. He said in pre, um, in previous administrations, they had made the choice to not do project-based uh, management of it. In, in other words, uh, outsourcing project managers, that they were going to do that in-house. And it struck me. <laughs> so we, we can't – you know, there's so many little things, low-hanging fruit activities that we just can't get right on a daily basis. Why on earth we could – believe we would ever believe that we could handle all of the project management of all of these dollars coming down here is beyond me. I, well, let just, me tell you, in Plaquemines Parish, I hired All South Engineering
2: to oversee all of the contracts to make sure they they, they stayed on time, they got – did it the right way because so, I didn't want to owe the federal government money. That we filed every procedure. We got it done in record time. We got reimbursed 100%, got audited, didn't have to give a penny back. Uh, way back then, when I first was sitting at the table with then uh, uh, Blanco and Ray Nagin, I made that recommendation. I said, look, uh, there's a lot of good firms out there. I use this company. They did an excellent job. And look, we had three hurricanes overlap, but we had to distinguish redamaging things that were under construction. And we got everything done, audited and, and, and reimbursed and everything fixed. And we did that in a parish that was hit three times. They still ain't spent the money from Katrina properly. So maybe you know we need to look at the firms that are capable of doing the work. And I'm not saying this, but you know people have a tendency to give it to uh people that that are are politically friends, but you've got to find qualified people to do the work and and uh and FEMA pays for that that oversight is reimbursable by FEMA, so it didn't cost the parish a penny to hire that company to oversee all of those projects and it was hundreds of projects we couldn't have managed it internally. And, uh, and they
1: did an excellent job. Yeah. we got to get to a break. We'll be right back with Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungesser. Stay with us, folks.
2: Call from mom. Answer
0: it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay,
0: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: Welcome back, folks. We are visiting with the Lieutenant Governor of Louisiana, Billy Nungesser. Billy, you spent a lot of time promoting not only Mardi Gras uh, in the city and the surrounding areas, but throughout the state of Louisiana. Uh, quick after-action update, what, what did you hear as to the success of Mardi Gras and other areas of the state?
2: Great response. You know, uh, we promoted uh, the direct flights into Houston and Dallas and Australia and New Zealand and saw travelers booking groups that flew in there, uh flew into Dallas and, and people came to Mardi Gras, in North Louisiana. Uh we had a group I think from Australia in, in Morgan City and Houma. Um but what they do is they look at the cost of hotels, the cost of a trip and not everybody can afford a hotel in New Orleans. Uh there's a lot of family friendly Uh, more family-friendly Mardi Gras all over the state. And we've been promoting that for several years and seeing double-digit improvements in visitation from out of state and even out of country to Mardi Gras all over Louisiana. Uh, We're going to do an analysis, as we always do after this year, having a couple years back now from COVID, uh, to really see the impact of our marketing efforts around the world uh, from Mardi Gras in every area of the state. And now, same thing leading in the fair and festival season next weekend will be the fair and festival conference in baton rouge where they kick off all the fairs and festivals as they start that season we never give them enough credit as well as the carnival crews to give us those tools in our toolbox to promote every corner of the state and you know with these fairs and festivals to promote them and people coming in town all over the state from french quarter to jazz fest to the strawberry fest to, all over the state, it gives us more tools in our toolbox to promote travel to Louisiana.
1: It kind of goes to what you were saying about crime, cleanliness, and new attractions as being kind of the uh, three-legged stool of where we need to be in order to be competitive for whether it's a Super Bowl or otherwise, right?
2: Absolutely. You know, when you talk, look at places like Nashville, and the reason we kind of made a proposal to to make this, the French Quarter a historical state park district or whatever, uh, to manage it separate from the city is so it gets the attention for putting the right kind of businesses there um, to make sure it attracts the, the right kind of people, uh, not just to, to make money, but to, to make sure it attracts people, uh, some more live music on down in the quarter as opposed to just daiquiri shops and some of the things that are – uh, in my opinion, don't attract the people spending the money that you need down there. But to manage that whole district uh, to the best ability to promote uh, the culture, the, the music, and, uh, and, and add new things to make it more attractive, uh, because let's face it, there's not enough voters in the French Quarter to ever, in my opinion, uh, make the city focus on making it the best it could be. And, and it is a state asset and ought to be shot in like Nashville, like other cities. And and we talked about the Gaslamp District in in San Diego that was turned over and managed by uh, uh, the the businesses and residents there in a partnership with the city and and turned that area around in a a short amount of time and made it the number one tourist attraction in San Diego. So uh, uh, I'm not giving up on that management aspect of it. Because it's always going to be a battle when you've got other problems around the city, and those residents deserve their streets fixed and kept safe because they pay paying the taxes as well. So uh, uh, there's a separation there I think at some point needs to be looked at in managing the quarter to be the best it can be.
1: Um, New administration comes in. Obviously, we went through one special session. We're about to embark on another special session relative to crime. But from your office's perspective, uh, what do you have coming up in probably the regular session that is of uh, keen importance to you?
2: Well, I'm trying to merge all the museums uh, with the Secretary of State. Um, I'm hoping to convince her to do that. We did a study that shows it's the best way to grow and, and prosper the museums, and separate the boards. New Orleans have one board, Baton Rouge and Shreveport. People in Shreveport don't care about the museums in New Orleans, and vice versa. It shows it's the best way. To manage and grow our museums and make them the best they can be. There's 211. A lot of them were given back to local government with no money. We're going to promote those through louisianamuseums.com, and then I'm going to give up control of the director. I'm going to let each board in legislation hire their own director. Uh, back when Mitch Landrieu took that authority away from the boards, uh, all the foundation money, private money, d- dried up. Nobody wants to give money to a politician to run a museum. So I will give up control and let the boards hire each of their museum directors. And by partnering with all the museums in that region, you'll get more local support in helping those museums be the best they can be. It shows it's the best way to run the museums. Um, It's not about controlling them or being able to hire the director. It's it's about making them the best they can be because we've got some gems all over Louisiana. And uh, hopefully I can convince the Secretary of State and the legislature to pass that legislation. I also want to take the litter away from DOTD. Um, They admit that they don't have the people to police the people they pay to pick up litter. Several of them admitted they don't pick up litter, but they get paid for it. So I want to take that money. I want to make sure we adequately fund litter and grass cutting and give it to local government and let them either do it themselves or hire a contractor. They will manage and oversee it. If they don't want to do the interstate system, there's a company that will do all the interstates where we can police it better, and finally clean up Louisiana. And we've got some other things. I'm on a mission to stop the diversion. We've got a presentation at the next CPRA meeting to show why it will destroy our seafood. Factual stuff that they have been covering up. And so it's going to be an interesting uh, session. A lot of things that we couldn't get done in the last administration we are hoping to do to make the state better.
1: What do you see happening with the new CPRA? Uh, We have a a new leader of the CPRA, someone from local government who worked uh, very closely with CPRA, but um, obviously... Uh, it was had to be more responsive to their constituency. Gordon Dove, the former parish president of Terrebonne Parish, uh, will be the head. Um, I know that there is some legal meandering going on right now, some challenges um, as to where a case is going to be heard, whether in a Plaquemines court or up in East Baton Rouge, and that is yet to be resolved. Uh, so it looks like there's movement on, you know, uh, some of the litigation and, and a possibility as a, a change of heart as to some of these projects.
2: No, when the, when the facts come out, uh this diversion is going to be go down as the biggest fraud ever pulled over Louisiana. Eyes. uh and I'm hoping I believe the new governor and Gordy, they want to know the truth. Everybody's been threatened in the past if you speak out, you don't get Look, I had 17 million taken out of my budget cuz I posted the study that shows dolphins will be extinct if we build this diversion. We kill more dolphins when we open a spillway in 2019 the BP oil spill. But because I made that study public, they took $17 million on my budget. But CCA, all the fishermen, CCA was told if y'all speak out against it, you're not going to get rigs to reef money anymore. Who does that? We just want the truth out there, and that's what we're going to present at the next CPRA meeting that I wasn't allowed to do. Uh, Because people were threatened And I'm hoping if we get all the facts out there We could spend that $3 billion Lower storm surge in our lifetime And actually lower insurance rates To the coast by dredging Not studying a diversion We've already spent $300 million On a a project that won't lower Storm surge one inch That is ridiculous We could have already lowered storm surge To our whole coast uh, With pumping bridges and islands And uh, so I'm hoping uh, if people are allowed to speak out, uh, there's a lot of people that are going to bring some of these facts out. And I think the court case will show that the Corps did a lot of funny business behind the scenes. The Corps is supposed to work for us instead of telling us what to do. And unfortunately, they've gotten too big for their britches and think they make the decisions for Louisiana. The colonel, in all due respect, when they come to Louisiana, they're here for two years. Um, by the time they find their way around the state, uh, they're transferred somewhere else. They should not be making decisions about coastal restoration, flood protection. They should be assisting us in getting the proper permits to do it the right way. And unfortunately we end up fighting with the core more than we, we, we like to, to get these projects that ought to be done the right way.
1: What do, what do we have to do to, to change that, to create a more collaborative effort where input is more openly received?
2: Well, uh, by not threatening people if they speak out, by allowing people and all the facts to be out there. We've spent millions of taxpayer dollars from CPRA to promote a diversion. Why do we need to promote a project if it's the right thing to do? And then we've we've threatened people if they if they speak out against it, and we've given money to groups to support it. Um, it's, it's, it's Like I said, it's going to be the biggest fraud ever pulled over our eyes if we build this thing. And I think honesty, transparency, and and sometimes you get going to embarrass people into doing the right thing. And then hopefully we can do that by exposing, uh, you know, people in Mississippi are suing to stop the one on, on their side of the river. They've got studies that show it will wipe out the seafood and fisheries all the way to Gulfport. And they can't understand how we can support this. That's going to kill our seafood industry. And the people in Washington, the the Marine Mammal Commission, I met with them, that did the study that shows it'll wipe out the dolphins, said, how can you all be supporting this with so rich of fisheries? Nobody can understand it. it. But the people that are getting rich off of it, making the money, are the ones that have been making the decisions.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. When we come back, let's talk about the state of the seafood industry. I know that you've uh, had a lot to say and, 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 and contribute on that topic as well. We'll be right back. We're visiting with the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Louisiana, Billy Nungesser. Stay with us.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: Welcome back, folks. We are visiting with Billy Nungesu, Lieutenant Governor of the State of Louisiana. Uh, Billy, uh, you have worked really hard in promoting the seafood industry in the state uh, for the state of Louisiana, and we have really uh, hit some tough times here recently. Talk to us about where we stand and, and where we hope to be.
2: Well, I'm glad you asked. No, two things we're asking. The health department uh, is supposed to inspect and 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 people that mislabel, take things and repackage it. There were 2,300 violations, not one of them got fined. The health department has a lot of other things. Give us that responsibility. Let us do the inspection. Let us change the funds and let that money go to the fishermen. Secondly, wildlife and fishery got over $30 million in funds to help our fishermen. Not $1 has gotten to the fishermen. They've got $7 million. They study a lot of things, but no money ever gets to the fishermen. They've got $7 million left in that fund that hasn't been dedicated. We're asking the legislator and the governor, let's move that money to the Seafood Promotion Board And let them come up with plans to get it to help the fishermen those two things alone where we can focus on helping the fishermen enforcing the laws will help set the tone and by finding the people that mislabel and put imported seafood and call it Boudreaux shrimp uh, and putting hefty fines on them that money can go back into the industry to help those people uh, that are out there making a living Uh, in the shrimp boats, the crawfish industry, and and all the fisheries. So if we can get control of those two things in this legislative session, uh, it'll have a great impact in cleaning up the the, the cheaters in the import industry and give us some money that we can use to help our fishermen uh, in in times of need and let the Seafood Board, which is represented by people in every part of that industry, decide how best – to spend that money while I fishery and health department have other things to do. Let us focus on helping the fishermen.
1: We've had a, a, a tough 18 to 24 months here, right? I mean, some of it influenced by climate, uh, obviously, uh, the crawfish industry because of the drought, uh, the oyster industry because of, um, but the the balance of fresh versus salt water uh, has been impaired and then, and then the shrimp industry because of the importation of foreign shrimp can't get the price uh, and in all three of those industries we're going to have a lot of folks fall out that we're just not going to do it any longer
2: absolutely that's why the focus of having the seafood promotion board at the forefront you know we got oyster task force we got shrimp task force but you really don't have the import you need. Like Mardi Gras passed when it overflowed and, and broke through that levee. Uh, it should have been fixed right away. We should have had enough political stroke to make that happen. Instead it destroyed every oyster bed on the east bank of Placum. It's Paris that have been dead ever since. And it's not the freshwater. It is a it is the second most polluted river in the country. And it's all those toxins going into the marsh that's killing everything. And that's the same thing going to happen on the West Bank with the diversion. So Having the the Seafood Promotion Board, and I want to offer the governor, the Speaker of the House, head of the Senate, a seat on that board to have a representative there to make sure they're doing the right thing with the money. But we need to make sure the people at the table that know best how to fix things have the ability to fix them and not have to fight the bureaucracy uh, to change things. And, And that's for every industry in the seafood industry, the crawfish, the shrimp, the crab. Uh, we got to give those people a real state seat at the table in making those decisions quickly that can save this industry.
1: It's amazing how everyone else seems to get it. Even the states uh, that we share a coterminous boundary with, both Texas and Mississippi, have a more forward-leaning approach to the management of their fisheries than we do in many respects. and And, and we're at the top of the heap.
2: We've been trying to get the wildlife fishery to let us raise fish and and, and and re-enter them into the wild like Texas has been doing forever. I think they the wildlife fishery finally agreed to a test probe, but we keep cutting back the limits you can catch, which is going to kill our charter fishermen. Because nobody's going to come down here, spend three days if you can catch two redfish. But if we would get on the forefront, and we tried this under Bobby Jenner, we had $9 million in private investment to get this thing started, and it just fell on deaf ears. But if we could raise fish and put Finland fish into the wild, you check them for disease so you make sure it's safe. We could repopulate to where we could be increasing limits, not decreasing them where it's not – because at some point, people are going to quit going fishing if you got to spend all that time and money to go out there to catch two fish. And uh, we keep lowering those, those uh, limits, which is the right thing to do if, if the population is not there, but we're not doing anything on the forefront to fix it. And it's an easy fix. We've seen other states do it, but we just fall behind. And so hopefully some of this influence under the new administration, uh, we can kickstart some of these programs to, to give us a fighting chance to getting back to having a, a good day out on the water, catching a lot of fish by repopulating it with finland fish.
1: Well, this hour flew by, Billy. Thank you so much for joining us. We uh, really appreciate it. I know you've been, uh, you've been busy over the last two to three weeks. I don't know about you. I'm still trying to recover from Mardi Gras. I think my voice is still halfway gone. <laughs> thank you to to so speak, much. See. But thank you again for joining us. Have a great day. You too, my friend. That's the lieutenant governor of the state of Louisiana, Billy Nungesser. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Folks, when we come back after the uh, top-of-the-break news, we're going to visit with Dr. Kevin Sabet. Dr. Uh, Kevin Sabet will be in New Orleans on February 2030. He will be speaking uh, to the Young Presidents Organization, and uh, Greg that uh, helps put on that event, uh, made Dr. Kevin Sabet available to me. And we're gonna talk to him. He has been described by NBC as the prodigy of drug politics and policy. Dr. Sabet is an author, a consultant, former advisor to the presidential administrations of Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and George Bush. He's an affiliate of Yale University's Institute for Social and Policy Studies and the Medical School. His first book, Reefer Sanity, Seven Great Myths About Marijuana, was published in 2013. A second edition was released in 2018. And his best-selling book, Smokescreen, What the Marijuana Industry Doesn't Want You to Know, was distributed by Simon & Schuster in 2021 and released to critical acclaim. He is the uh, president and CEO of Smarts. Smarts.